welcome to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grun. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm I'm still Richard Grun, but I'm going to take a sip of water. Sorry about that. I'm Richard Grun. There it is. He's back. Anyway, this is where we get back to basics. Examining the Word of God. Taking a look at the Book of Acts Church. Following their example. Taking Scripture as it's written. Not adding to it. Not taking away from it. Not watering it down. And in the process, finding the church the Lord intended. Not the one that man created. The Butch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer. Each and every one of you gaining your ability to get that world-shaking influence the early church had. This isn't about listeners. This isn't about you being birds in a nest. Um, This is about you going out and do it yourself. This is about you being witnesses to the world. This is about you and I shaking the world one last time before the return of the king. That was the purpose of the porch. That's why we, when we started Solomon's Porch back in January of 2000, um, that was the whole purpose. If you want to contact us, go to onsolomonsporch.org. If you have any questions about the shows or maybe you heard something you don't understand, whatever, you want to interact with us, go to firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button. You can also support us there. Thank you to each and every one of you that do. We greatly appreciate it. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site for Firefall Talk Radio, Spreaker.com forward slash user forward slash Firefall Talk Radio or on your apps. Because if you did, you would have known that Sunday night there was a new Overwatch. And this next coming Sunday night, there'll be another one. Overwatch is back. Regarding the C Conference video. Thought I was going to be able to report that it was done. We're still working on it. Had a couple of delays this week in my ability to sit down and do it. But I'm close. And here's how you'll know it's done. If you were at the event or you are a regular supporter of Firefall Talk Radio, you will get an email with the private Vimeo link. So watch for that email. Once those have gone out and the people that attended or the supporters have first access to it, then I will decide how everyone else gets to see it. Rosh Hashanah 2019, Jewish New Year 5870 has begun. Sundown last night. We're into it. God's New Year, according to His calendar, a new year of blessings, a new year of change, a new decade, 5870. I was going to share some stuff about that, but it would have taken too much. I may just do a quick little report and put it up on this Firefall Talk Radio account. But a lot of new things. I really feel like this year is different. I'm believing for the blessings, believing for the breakthrough. But I also understand that at the same time, the enemy does the exact opposite of what God is doing. So you should expect some pushback and some warfare. So let's praise the Lord. Let's pray, get the prayer going. We praise him. First of all, we praise him for our salvation. Without that, none of this matters. I praise him for my home, my wife, my family, my sons, daughter-in-laws, my grandson, our furry kids, our possessions, the studio, the technology, everything he has allowed me to acquire over the years to serve him. I praise him that he still protects us. The Psalm 91 covering is in effect. The armor of God is available. 
praise him for the dreams and the visions and things he's been showing us that he's getting ready to come back. And boy, do I praise him for that. Praise him for his healing virtues that are still available to us. You know, he still listens. He still hears our prayers. He still acts upon those prayers. So praise him for that. Praise him for being a new creation. We are living in a time that our fathers, grandfathers, forefathers, and and everybody else would have loved to have been a part of. We're seeing things that we were told would happen. We're seeing prophecy be fulfilled every day. I praise him for America where we can do this without fear of reprisal. Also, like I said, I'm praising him that he's getting ready to come back and that we've got a job to do, which is part of my prayers. But you know what? I praise him that he even wants to use us. I I praise him that we are the laborers of his harvest. We are the servants in his kingdom. We are about our father's business. I pray for the Middle East. I pray for Jerusalem, peace of Jerusalem. I pray for Israel. I pray for the leadership there, God's hand to be upon it, to protect them, all the things that are going on in the Middle East right now, the the pieces being moved, the little prophetic chess game that's happening. My prayers for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice, in and out of the womb, both human and animal. This world has gotten really, really ugly, ugly and and. That's part of the reason I look forward to his return. I look forward to him ending all that. But while we're here, we have to deal with it. We have to pray for, we've got to pray against, we've got to do what we're called to do, take a stand. Stand against the slaughter of the innocents, the destruction, the, uh, the things that are going on right now are so debased and ugly. The anti-Semitism, the religious persecution, the human trafficking. My goodness, the enemy is so busy. When's the church going to get as busy? I know there are people that are doing it. I know there are ministries that are doing it. But, folks, we've been given all power, all authority in heaven and earth. We should be doing more than we're doing. And that's what the porch is about. That's what SRT is about. I pray for us to have divine wholeness, health, and healing, getting back to our divine design. If you're not paying attention, the, the world, the, the food, the, the, everything is designed to destroy you, not to build you up. The enemy wants to break you down. We need to listen to God's word. We need to be wise as serpent, meek as dove, even with what we put in our body. I pray for healing right now to everyone who's listening, who's hurt in heart, mind, body, soul, or spirit, who's sick, doesn't feel right, beat up, weary. I pray for you in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Be quickened in your mortal body. Be healed down to the cellular structure. Pray for the remnant to wake up. Wake up, remnant. Come on. Break out of your slumber. Rise up. If you've been blessed, then be a blessing. If, if you've been called to action, get in the game. Praying for the open conduits of his blessings for the porch, for SRT, for Firefall, for everything that we've been talking about, everything that we've been praying for. This is the time. This is the time. Pray for my wife, Deb. Pray uh, traveling mercies for her protection over her, continued healing, relief, restoration, and favor in an ongoing matter that the Lord can deal with quickly. I want you to ask for prayer for Peggy in Alabama. Peggy's a major supporter and part of this ministry um, in many ways without her and without the support of her group there in Alabama, we would be struggling. She needs a direct answer to prayer. 
by Friday from the Lord on the sale of her home. So join with me for God's favor to do something miraculous in that regard. Nick in Dallas is following up on his mom prayer request. His mother is coming home Monday, and they're really happy that she is, but they're concerned that she's rushing to leave the rehab center, which I understand when my mother had to go in and out of rehab she wanted so badly to get out of there um, a couple of times she got out too soon. So she's, he's asking for prayer in that regard for the Lord's peace and wisdom to help his mother. Stacy in Texas right now, she's in Bolivia on that uh, documentary shoot regarding the, the, the plane her father died in. Um, pray for her protection while she's there and over her family while she's gone and continue to pray favor for the job interviews that she's had. And Kim and Fort Mitchell continue to pray for her and her family's needs to be met. The Lord knows what they are. Father, there are other needs out there that are not being spoken by me or sent in, but you know what they are. And I pray that they're offering them up to you right now so that we can all touch and agree. That we can come into agreement on these prayers, on these needs we love you, Father. We, we are desperately in need of you. We need more of you. We need more of you, Lord. We need more of the Holy Spirit. We, th- we thank you for everything that you've done. We thank you for everything that you're doing. And by faith, we thank you for what you're going to do. We believe, Lord. We believe in you. So therefore, we, we receive. We speak to things not as they are, but as they should be. I pray for each person that was at the Sea Conference, Lord, that the feeling of refreshing and what they had there, that the enemy has done his best to mute or steal from them, you would quicken, you would remind them that when they get to see the video, it would stir it all back up. But, Father, help them, walk with them, protect them, protect each and every one of us. Bless, Bless this time tonight. Bless the technology. Open our hearts, our minds, our spirits to what you want us to hear. Let us be living witnesses to a world that really, really doesn't know you. I hear so many people, they claim they know you, and I don't know who they're talking about. I pray that they would come to an intimate, personal knowledge of you, that they would hunger for you, that they would want more of you. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Have your way with each and every one of us. Remind us, encourage us, walk with us. We need it. We need more. So, Lord, I'm, I'm offering all this up to you, and I'm asking as we all touch and agree that you would answer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So tonight we're going to close out this look into Mark chapter 5, the story about 
the Gadarene man, the woman with the issue of blood, and tonight we're talking about the healing of Jairus' daughter. It all ties together that this pattern emerges, that the faith inspired action, the action inspired compassion, which inspired evangelism. The, we, in him we live and move and have our being. We are kinetic. We're always in motion. The, the Holy Spirit is self-replicating. It's always in motion. Let's get real. If you're, if you're in a church where there is no movement of the Spirit, where people aren't getting saved, healed, and delivered, where all it is is a lot of talking and a lot of show, I'm sorry, that, that's not what this is about. I personally don't have time for that. There was a time I wouldn't have known that it wasn't right. But now I do. Now I've grown up. I know better. But I do know that as we look and as we listen, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. As we get inspired, I'm praying and I'm believing, as I said at the beginning, that you're doing something with this. That you get up each day looking to be a living witness to the Lord. You may not know Scripture perfectly. You may have to paraphrase. You may not be the most learn it about it, but so what? The Holy Spirit can put the words in your in your mouth. They can tell you where it is, can help you. But folks, we've got to shine. We have to shine in the darkness. We've got to change the way we do things. Business as usual isn't going to cut it. We've been talking about, like in Luke six nineteen, that the multitude sought to touch him. And when they did, Power went out of him and healed them all. I, I, each and every day I want to touch him. I, I long for the day that I can wrap my arms around him. But until I do that, I, I touch him in heart. I touch him in the spirit. I want to be connected to him. I would really, really love to not have to do anything but serve him. Not worry about the cares of this world. Not do anything but serve him. But unfortunately, that's not always feasible. We have family, we have needs, we have bills, we have all those things that the world has done to us. But I'm believing that the blessing is coming, that we can go and do and be about our Father's business and work the harvest for him. Now, if you remember Mark chapter 5, he heals the gathering man. They cross over. Uh, he's met there by Jairus saying his daughter is lying at the point of death. Yeshua says, I'll go with you as they're walking. A certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, suffered many things from many physicians. Basically, she went broke going to doctors and nothing changed. In fact, she got worse. And she realized, this is who I heard about. This is the prophet from Nazareth. This is Yeshua. And if I can just touch him, and that's her goal. Shouldn't even be there. Shouldn't be in the crowd. She is ceremonially unclean. She's been this way for 12 years, which means she probably hasn't been with her family. If she's married, she hasn't been with her husband. She hasn't been near anybody. She's been struggling with this and ostracized and isolated. Jesus is her only hope. If I only may touch his clothes, and what she wanted to touch was the fringes on the prayer shawl, the seat seats of his tallit. And so she does. She reaches out. She pushes through. She risks it all, and she grabs a hold, and immediately two things happen. Her blood is dried up, her body's healed, and Yeshua felt the power leave him. 
immediately faith created action. Have you ever prayed where you knew immediately the Lord had heard it? I have. And he wants to know who touched me, who touched my clothes. And they're like, what? Look at all these people. What do you mean who touched you? And then he looks and he sees the woman and she's fearful. She's trembling. She, she falls down in front of him. And he looks at her and says, daughter, term of endearment, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. That's true faith. She had reached the end of her prayer rope. She had to touch him. And her faith and her determination got a result. She had an immediate need. She needed healing now. Have you ever prayed like that? Lord, I have a now need. I need it now. And I have the faith that you will answer. See, he was moved by her faith and had compassion upon her. Faith's not a matter of naming and claiming that you get what you want just because you want it. That's, that's not what a loving father does. It does not override his sovereignty. But there are times that faith is all you have. And that means you have to relinquish your trust in yourself and put it in God. Which means... Whatever answer you get is his answer. If you've done all that you know how to do, and the last thing you know how to do is lay it on him, then it's his. Her faith made her well. That's what he said. He says that many times in Scripture. Matthew chapter 8 and chapter 9 uh, verses 8, 10, 9, 22, 9, 29, Matthew 15, 28, Matthew 7, 15, 8, 48. Your faith has made you well. If we are as he was, shouldn't we have the same kind of compassion? I'm really seeing in the body a lack of compassion and a little bit too much Old Testament judgment and lack of grace. Let's be thankful we don't live under the law. If we lived under the law, none of us, none of us would survive. You fail in one aspect, you fail in all of it. So now we move on. Mark 5.35. Now while he was still speaking, which means to the daughter of your faith has made you well, go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he's still speaking, some came from the driver's house, from the ruler of the synagogue's house and says, your daughter is dead. Nice subtle approach, guys. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Yeshua heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So the other disciples are left behind. And then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. And then he took the child by the hand and he said to her, 
Talitha Kumi, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was twelve years of age, and they were overcome with amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know a, should know it and, and said that something should be given her to eat. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, Lord. I know you don't want them to tell anybody, but there was just a room full of people here, and everybody that knows Jairus knows his daughter died. And that's why in Matthew 9 we see a little different account. Matthew nine twenty four through 26, he says, Make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. Same thing. But when the crowd put outside, he went in, took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all the land. It's kind of, kind of hard to keep the fact that you just raised this little girl from the dead. But that's what miracles do. The reason we have seen so little effect on the world in evangelism is there have been no signs and wonders to back it up. Remember, signs and wonders follow the word. Yeshua is the word, therefore signs and wonders followed him. So he gets there, and whether you see it in Mark 9 or Luke 8, it's the same thing. The people just bluntly say to him, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher. Don't trouble the teacher. What does the Lord say? Do not be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. Do not be seized with alarm or struck with fear. Simply believe in me as able to do this, and she shall be made well. Basically, they're saying her condition is irreversible. There's no remedy here. Why are you bothering this man? Give up. And, and I really believe, as I read this today and I thought about it, Somewhere in this is the enemy. Somewhere in some of these people is the enemy beating Jairus down, trying to make him feel bad for being the Jewish man, the leader of the synagogue, going to get this man that's causing problems for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And, and your daughter's dead. What, what, are you, what are you bothering this man for? And you know what the Lord's saying? No, no. Stop being afraid. Continue to believe. His faith was under attack. You've been there. I've been there. You have well-meaning people that are being used by the enemy to speak words into your ears, words into your life, words over you and your family and whatever your dreams and visions are. They're trying to get you to come to your senses. They're trying to get you to be logical. Well, no, I live an illogical life. I live a spiritual life. And the Lord there, first thing he does is to reinforce his faith. I believe he does that for us now through the Holy Spirit. You suddenly remember scriptures. You suddenly remember a moment he answered a prayer. And those are the moments that you have to let go of what your mind says and what the world's saying and what common sense says and get back to spiritual reality. Just have faith. Have faith like the woman with the issue of blood. Jairus witnessed that miracle, by the way, if you're not paying attention. He was there when it happened. He witnessed it, so his faith had to be supercharged, and immediately the enemy sends somebody to pop his bubble. Nothing has changed. 
the tactics the enemy used then, he's using now. But I say to you, cast your burdens on the Lord because he cares for you. You are never bothering him with your prayers and your need. When you have a need, what you need is him. And it's interesting that Peter, James, and John, his inner core, I would say probably his prayer circle, they're with him on several occasions. They're with him on the Mount of Transfiguration when he uh, meets with Moses and Elijah. They go deeper into the Garden of Gethsemane with him when he sweats drops of blood, and they're here with him now. Even the Lord wanted prayer support. He understood, and he is our example of how things are done. You are not going to get things done as a lone ranger. You're not going to get things done by yourself. Wherever two or more are gathered, there also is he. Threefold cord is not quickly broken. Whatever two or more agree in my name shall be done. He gave us an example. Let's follow it. And so he gets there. But he has an issue he has to deal with. And it's something some of you have to deal with too. The Lord has to change the atmosphere. If you're hanging around with unsaved people who don't get it, if you are in agreement with people that don't get it, you may be married to somebody that doesn't get it. Don't let their lack of faith, don't let their spirituality or lack thereof affect you. The Lord had to get these professional mourners out of there because that's what they were. Back in those days, they had professional mourners. Hi, Mary, what are you doing today? I'm going to the next town over. I'm going to wail and weep and, and mourn at, at this funeral. Well, who is it? I don't know. I'll get it when I get there. I don't know if that's what it was. That's just how my mind sees it. You know, Josephus in the first century A.D. reported that they hired flute players. So the flute became synonymous with, with death and tragedy and mourning. Professional mourners, usually women. And, and it, you can see it mentioned in Jeremiah 9, when the Lord's about to speak judgment on Israel, and he says in verses 17 and 18, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider and call for the mourning women, that they may come, and send for skillful wailing women, that they may come. Let them make haste and take up a wailing for us, that our eyes may run with tears and our eyelids gush with water. These women were good. They were skillful. And they attended the funerals, and they expressed the emotions for those that were in sorrow. I've, I've actually been at funerals, so I've wondered about that. But the Lord, does, Lord's got, he wants no part of that. Make room. For this girl is not dead, but sleeping. And it says they ridiculed him. I, I would love to have known what they said. And did they know who they were mocking? But he puts them out. He kicks them out. He keeps the mother, the father, him, Peter, John, and James. And everybody else gets the proverbial boot or the proverbial sandal. And once they're gone, the atmosphere is changed. Once they're gone, all that negativity, the presence of the enemy, all that stuff is gone. Any interference with miracles and the miraculous is gone. And he takes her by the hand and she gets up. 
Talitha Kumi little girl arise. When that little girl got up and he said, get her something to eat, I would love to have seen the look on the faces of those people that mocked him. But basically when he says, make room, make room, make room for faith, make room for the Lord. You have something in your life right now where somebody, the Holy Spirit, an angel, the Lord and me, needs to come to you and say, hey, make room. Make room for faith. Make room for order. Make room for prayer. Don't tell me you're too busy. Don't tell me there's too much confusion going on. It won't happen unless you make it happen. Make room. Put the negativity outside. Get rid of that lack of faith. Begin to speak to things not as they are, but as they should be. Remember, the power of life and death is in the tongue. You change your atmosphere by what you say, either good or bad. We, we see a similar scenario in John 11 and the healing of Lazarus. See, Larry and I were talking today. We, we try to pray almost every day if we can. And we were talking about some things we teach and believe in SRT, and some people have kind of questioned it. And my attitude has always been, if I can find a biblical example, especially by the Lord and Scripture, then it will verify the technique or the pattern or whatever it is we're using. We see a similar thing happening with the healing of Lazarus that ties into all of this. So go with me, John 11, verse 17. So when Yeshua came, he found that he, had, he being Lazarus, Lazarus, had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem. It was about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Mary and Martha. Remember, the women are the professional mourners to comfort them concerning their brother. And then Martha, as soon as she heard that Yeshua was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. And Martha said to Yeshua, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Now, that would seem like verses 21 and 22 are an act of faith, but I don't really think so. She doesn't specifically ask him. And Yeshua said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. She's not listening. Her grief and her lack of faith is blocking her hearing. And Yeshua said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she kind of redeems herself, and Martha says, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. When she said these things, said these things she went away and secretly called Mary her sister, saying, The teacher has come and, has come and is calling for you. Now, I, I don't know if that was exactly the truth. Maybe, maybe he did. I don't know. But we, we don't have that in Scripture. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. 
Now Yeshua had not yet come into town, but was in the place where Martha met him. And then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly, went out and followed her, followed her, saying, She's going to the tomb to weep there. So this, you, you have the friends and family and the professional mourners. Mary's on the move. They're on the move. And when Mary came to where Yeshua was, she saw him. And notice the difference between the approach. She fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I've always seen the two approaches as Martha got in his face, Mary fell at his feet. Therefore, when Yeshua saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Yeshua wept. And the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of us said, could not, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Isn't it amazing that no matter where he went, no matter what he did, the enemy was always out and about offering criticism and recriminations. And then Yeshua, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave. They used to build the graves into the sides of the mountains, and a stone lay against it. And Yeshua said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he's been dead for four days. Oh, Martha, you just don't get it, do you? And Yeshua said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Yeshua lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Yeshua said to them, Loose him and let him go. Now we've talked about the magnitude of this miracle on that fourth day. The reason you stink is because your body and the gases, the blood has stopped flowing. Uh, there's no oxygen. There's no life. The organs begin to deteriorate. The gases build up in the, in the body. Uh, tendons are snapping. It, you, you begin to decompose. And the one who spoke everything into existence ended the decomposition, ended death. And in the blink of an eye, Lazarus with Lazarus again. What a moment. I know they've portrayed it on film, but I doubt it gives the full effect. You've had these people wailing and weeping and the public just blaze of grief that that culture had, the beating on the chest, the whole bit. And he sees this. 
And this groaning, a deep anger wells up within him. He's angry in his spirit. He's deeply troubled. This feeling of human outrage, the fury and the anger, not that he's furious at Martha or Mary or any of the, but the futility of this scene. It didn't have to be this way. This wasn't what my father intended. And then their lack of belief in his ability to do what he's about to do. And what was he about to do? He had come to heal Lazarus. We see that in the previous chapter, John chapter 11, when he gets word. In verse 11, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. And his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Yeshua spoke of his death, and they thought he was speaking about taking a rest and sleep, so Yeshua spoke to them plainly. Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And then the one, then Thomas, who's called the twin, later on becomes doubting Thomas, says, let us go also that we may die with him. Because they know where he's going, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and, and the temple guards and everybody, they want to kill him. See, Martha doesn't know this. Mary doesn't know this. She doesn't even ask him specifically to raise her brother from the dead. She, she expresses her faith in his ability to do this, but she doesn't just outright ask him. And I think that's the reason many prayers don't get answered today. You hedge your bets. You don't specifically say, Lord, I, this is what I'd like you to do. Well, Lord, I know that you can, so I'm hoping you will. If she had really recognized and believed who he was, she said she did, but she didn't really. She wouldn't have danced around it. She would have simply said, Lord, raise my brother from the dead. I'm asking you, please. And I think that's why we see in verses 1133 and 1138, groaned in the spirit and was troubled, groaning inside himself. That That is like a, a horse does in fear or anger, that snort, that indignation. We can only surmise what's going on in his heart and his mind at that moment. But I have no doubt it has to do with the kingdom of darkness and Satan and death. And they'd gotten their grip on his friend Lazarus. And he was troubled. He was agitated. He was stirred up in his mind. He uses that phrase later on in the Garden of Gethsemane. My soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but before the, but for this purpose I came to this hour. I, I think we need to get troubled more. We need to get agitated more. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of what Satan does to my brothers and sisters. I'm sick and tired of what the kingdom of darkness is getting away with. I'm sick and tired and troubled by what the church won't do about it. I've been in melees. I've I've talked about doing security in the middle of a riot. And you have 11 security guards on stage and suddenly you only have two. The others fled in fear and you're in the middle of it and you're just grabbing people and throwing them and stepping on people and pushing them down, pushing them off the stage, and you or the other security guard are standing back to back, taking on all comers. 
Sometimes that's what it feels like in dealing with the powers of darkness. Where's the help? Where are the others? Where are those that said, oh, I want to do spiritual warfare? Oops, not what I want to do. Everybody wants to do lion things till it comes to be a lion. This wasn't his plan for us. The sickness, the the emotional distress, the things that we go through every day, we need to become more agitated. Not that the Lord can't do it, but that he has to do it. But he gave us a way out, John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. Don't let your hearts be troubled, distressed, agitated. If you believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely on God, believe, adhere, and trust and rely on him. Can you do that? Can you stop speaking negativity over your life? Can you stop speaking failure and start speaking life? Can you trust the Lord that no matter what happens, if you put it in his hand and he has it, whatever the outcome is, is the right outcome? Hebrews 2 verses 14 and 15 tell us this. Inasmuch then as children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I think at that moment he sees that his friend Lazarus is dead. He sees Martha and Mary who has a family relationship with him. He sees the other people. Maybe he knows them. Maybe he doesn't. And he sees that Satan still has power over them. That the fear of death and the bondage in their lives, and it wasn't supposed to be that way, and that's what he's there for. That's what he's there for, to destroy him who had the power of death, and that is the devil, the kingdom of darkness. No more haunting fear of death and bondage throughout the course of our lives. No more. See, his compassion at that moment inspired him to action. Why? What, what, what are you making a commotion about? The child's not d- dead. She's just sleeping. He doesn't listen to the ridicule, but he definitely puts them out. I've, lo- I've looked at these miracles. I've looked at the three people that he's raised from the dead, this little girl, uh, the widow's son and Nain, and Lazarus. Really wished I was there at that moment. Or through a dream or a vision could see it exactly. And I know that the time will come that I can. Of the joy of watching them get up, of seeing Lazarus, who was decaying and decomposed and probably gave off a stench when they rolled back the stone, come hopping out. Love to see the look on Lazarus' face as they took the cloth off his face and wondered if he said, Hey, Yeshua, where were you? Where you been? 
What did you see down there? What did you hear down there? What happened during that period of time? Who would you talk to? What does she all look like? They don't tell us any of that because we don't need to know right now. The only thing we need to know is that he's as good as his word. That his grace is still amazing. That he has never changed. There is no variation or shadow of turning in him. But lack of faith isn't going to cut. It's got to go. If you have lack of faith in your life, if you have lack of faith with you and your prayer partner or your husband or your wife or your family, if there's any lack of faith in the name of Jesus right now, I say stop it. Stop it. Get up every morning, open your eyes, feel the beating of your heart in your chest, check your pulse, look out and see the sun, see the animals, hear the birds chirping and realize that the the creator of the universe is your heavenly father and the one who's spoken into existence is your Lord and Savior and he knows you by name. He himself took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. He fulfilled what the prophet Isaiah spoke. Is there still sickness and disease and that in the world? Yeah, because he hasn't taken control of the natural part of this world. He's taken spiritual control. He's he's given us spiritual, supernatural authority. When he comes back the second time, he will complete the job. But it was his compassion on people that motivated him. So I'm going to ask right now, when you look at somebody in bondage, when you look at that drug addict, when you look at that person that you know is not right, when you look at somebody who's making bad, sinful choices, the same choices you made before you got saved, do you feel compassion for them or do you feel judgment? If your mercy account is empty, you'll get no mercy when you need it. Offer grace, offer mercy. Err on the side of compassion. He healed because he had compassion. Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Matthew fourteen fourteen Jesus went out and saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Matthew twenty thirty four he had compassion and touched the eyes of the blind men, and immediately they received their sight and they followed him. Mark one forty one, then Yeshua moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said, "I am willing to be cleansed." When he healed the leper. The gathering man wanted to follow him, and he says, Mark five nineteen. Go home to your friends. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Do you do, you do that? Are you afraid to share your testimony? Are you afraid to tell the people, hey, I, this is what the Lord did for me? You may or may not believe it, but that doesn't change the facts. The woman I mentioned in the city, Nain, and it's her only son, He's dead, and this is Luke 7, verses 11 through 17, and he sees her, and he has compassion on her. This is all she has. She has no one to help her. She has no one to bring wood. She has no one 
to comfort her and to, and to be with her. I read a story about a veteran here in Florida who was in his 80s. He had no family. He had no friends. He had nobody. When he died, he died alone. And then they put out the word about that, and 2,000 people had showed it up at his funeral. And I thought, well, that was great, but then I thought about, gee, I wish those people would have known about him before he died. So the Lord sees this widow, has compassion on her, and he says to her, do not weep. And he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he says, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. And then fear came upon them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. Just on me, I wonder how many of those people were in the crowd saying, Crucify him. And with everything that he had done, with all the miracles that we're talking about, we really don't know how many disciples that he had in the country. I mean, he healed so many. The only thing we do know from 1 Corinthians fifteen six that the largest number mentioned is 500. 500. So don't look at these mega churches of thousands, ten thousands, how many of it, thousands of people, the, the biggest following the Lord had during that time was 500. The biggest home church that they found, where they knocked out some walls, sat 75 to 100. But the one we follow, the one we believe in, the one we look to emulate, has the power over death by the Holy Spirit's anointing, which he had upon him without measure. I say to you, arise. He raised one who had just died. He raised one being carried to their burial. And he raised one who had been dead for four days. Well, while it's not exactly the same, he raised someone who had been dead for 32 years, just didn't know it. And I'm so thankful that he did. So we're called to follow his example. Peter did. If you go with me to Acts chapter 9, verse 36, that Joppa, who was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated as Dorcas, both names mean gazelle. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days she'd become sick and died. And when they washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lida was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them, and when he'd come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him weeping showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But here's where he, he remembers. He follows the Lord's example. He puts them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, 
Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. Peter had to get rid of the noise. He had to get rid of the acceptance of death to perform the first resurrection by an apostle. What do you need resurrected in your life? You need to get rid of the noise in your life. You need to get rid of the noise around it, the acceptance of death, and call upon the Lord to perform a miracle. But see, Peter was just doing what he was told to do, to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. And what was the end result? And it became known throughout all Joppa, many believed on the Lord. That should be the automatic result of miracles. Everyone who witnessed the healing believed. One physical healing led to all those spiritual healings. Many turned to the Lord and saw proof that Jesus was alive from the dead. And he was living through his disciples and he was living through the church and he had delegated the authority over death and disease. And then there's another miracle that gets mentioned here which kind of goes by. A tanner is somebody who deals in hides, whether clean or unclean animals, and the Jews held them in contempt So Peter didn't stay with the millionaires or the big money people. He stayed with the tanner in his humble abode. I would assume that at this point, Peter was enjoying the freedom from the Jewish law based upon liberty and Messiah. And almost immediately, that freedom gets tested because... Where he's with Jews, and then in the very next chapter, chapter 10, he gets summoned by the Holy Spirit to the home of Cornelius, and he really doesn't want to go. I, I, I'm sorry, Peter, you just raised somebody from the dead. You're staying in the house of a Jewish tanner who's unclean, who's dealing in dead animals, and the Holy Spirit wants to use you, and you just suddenly forget all that, but he. Not only does that, but he stays with these people for three years and becomes their pastor. But anyway, jump with me to chapter 10, because I want to build off this before we go to prayer. And so he goes and he speaks to Cornelius and his friends and his family. And while he's speaking, the Holy Spirit falls upon them. Everyone hearing the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as come with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out onto the Gentiles. They heard him speak with tongues and magnify God. Nobody laid hands on him. Nobody prayed for them to do it. The Spirit does what he wants. And then they baptized him. And this whole this whole period, this whole experience, the raising of, of uh, the woman from the dead, this experience... Be- it signifies the end. The first period of the Christian church, the end of the, the, the evangelism to the gospel, because it's about to shift now to the evangelism of the Gentiles. It's been eight years since Pentecost, and only the Jews have been preached to, but now Paul's been saved, and he's getting ready to go to the Gentiles. They were told, just only go to lost sheep of Israel. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him came to the Jew first and then to the Greek. The church founded on Jews by Jews, but now it's time for God. 
to take the gospel to the Gentiles. God's in the soul-saving business. And I'll tell you one thing that never changed, even though it's a shift in season, even though right now we're in a new year, we're in a new time, new blessings are coming. One thing that has never changed and never will change is that compassion inspires miracles. Miracles inspire evangelism. Evangelism inspires salvation, soul healing, plundering the kingdom of darkness, destroying the works of the enemy. The Holy Spirit-empowered gospel brought people out of darkness and into his light. So, Father, right now, I don't know who's listening. I don't know who's not—I don't know, Lord. I just don't know, but you do. To every person that is, I pray that these words pierce the darkness in their hearts, pierce the anger, pierce the hurts, get past the fear, empowers their faith, tears down the walls— tears down the barriers of separation between you and them or them and others. I pray right now, Father, that your grace, which is still amazing, and that your love, which still flows from the throne room, would inspire people to stop do, stop talking and start doing. I pray that they'd get rid of the noise, get rid of the negativity, and start living the gospel, start shining the light, start shaking this world, setting the captives free, laying hands on the sick, telling them about Yeshua, sharing with what he has done for them. We love you, Lord. We long to see you. We long to feel your touch. We long to sit at your feet. I'm sure Mary's probably going to be in the way, and that's okay. To talk to Lazarus, to meet all the prophets and the saints and all the others that have gone before. But right now we have a job to do, and that job is to lead people out of darkness. It's to work the harvest. It's to prepare the way the return of the king. So, Holy Spirit, have your way with us right now. Speak into those areas of our lives that need to hear your voice. Touch what needs to be healed. Take what needs to be removed. And I just pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.